Welcome to another episode of Fill in the Blank. I'm here with the crew. We got Gabe, what's up, Evan, and we have Corey. You hit me up with my name right when coffee was sliding over. Everyone my is uh, ingesting coffee for what <laughs> we're about to describe as the only thing known to m- mankind as the Yeti. What comes uh, to your mind when I say the Yeti? Scooby Doo. <laughs> yeah, that, that's literally that's yeah, that's what I think of a little yeah, bit. That's yeah, that's or the abominable point. snowman. Yeah, yeah, that's what I. Yeah. So in folklore of Nepal, the Yeti or abominable snowman is an ape-like creature taller than an average human that is said to inhabit the Himalayan and Siberian regions of East Asia. The names Yeti and Mete are commonly used by people indigenous to the region and are part of their history and mythology. Stories of the Yeti first emerged as a facet of a Western popular culture in the 19th century. The scientific community has generally regarded the Yeti as a legend, given the lack of evidence of his existence. In one genetic study, researchers matched DNA from hair samples found in the Himalaya with the prehistoric bear from the Pleistocene epoch. So the Nepalese believe that the Yeti sighting are rare because he is known to be believed to be nocturnal. See, that, that's another, um, because when I hear Yeti, I think either like Scooby-Doo, Spooky, ah, or I think of like... Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? No, like ancient guardian of the sacred mountains, Yeti. Like, spiritual shit. Like someone that is, is, is like known as... Like guarding something? The known, Mummy 3. Like you look at a forest... <laughs> Don't bring it to me. Like if you look at a forest and you see the forest as like something that protects the forest, you can think of Bigfoot as a protector of yeah, the forest. Yeah, maybe something like that. And that's... Bigfoot's in North American folklore but then if you look at east asia they have the same type of folklore but it's since they're indigenous since they're in like a mountain area they see the yeti as the protector of the mountains or type of spiritual force that is known to make sure like uh, bad events don't happen like people aren't destroying like if a couple kids go start trying to like break a bunch of branches and just torture animals out there the yeti's going to come out and smash their head in with a rock like the beef jerky commercial yeah oh you also said pleistocene or whatever that's just like the megatherium. Wasn't that in the same time? Like time... The Pleistocene era. Yeah. 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 Cool. Me and uh, Corey are using a preference podcast, so so now I have to put this one behind that one to try and remember. <laughs> okay. Uh, the the well, old sloth. We lived in the same time period exactly, as the large... Yeah. As a large well, that's what they linked it. it up to, was that the abominable snowman, or what someone might have saw as the abominable snowman, for evidence, since it's so lack of evidence, that it might have been either some dude hopped up on peyote, or some guy that saw a type of bear-type, um, prehistoric-type creature that might have existed in the last glacial period. Like that's a, the Pleistocene, yeah. guys, is the last glacial period. Like a Tyrannosaurus-sized Yeah. So a lot of people use these stories of the Yeti to actually scare their kids, also describing that the Yeti can kill a man with a single punch. I wouldn't doubt that, honestly. Yeah. Falcon Dude, punch. a gorilla. Just, well, well, I mean, a gorilla is like about our size, and they have the strength to just rip our nuts or things. Can rip our arms See, off. Yeah. The word punch, like, like that's such a human thing. Like you, humans can kill somebody. You don't with one think punch. you don't think of a gorilla yeah, right like punching. You think of a gorilla like slapping. You don't think of it like. Like fucking right. yeah, but winding you also up from punch. Yeah, yeah. We can what we consider a punch is straightforward, whereas they can just go like that and just fucking oh, like crush punch a hammer spine. fist. Yeah, basically, oh punch so like oh. humanizes the yeti. All right, I got a good, I got a good one. Ready? A UFC fight between Bigfoot and the Yeti. Who's gonna win? I go Bigfoot. 
I don't know. I think I just see Bigfoot coming up with like a, a freaking crane comes in kick, like Spartan kicks like him. A crane <laughs> kick from Karate Kid, like with the arms up and just clock, <clears throat> and then the freaking abominable swimming just flies back. I'm thinking the opposite because the Yeti's more associated with like the Asian culture. I'm thinking more. He has a the, katana. The, the Yeti knows more karate than Bigfoot. <laughs> Bigfoot. I think. <laughs> I think. I, I think Bigfoot Bill would be more brute strength. Racist because Evan using the stereotype. <laughs> it's racist. Did you hear what I said? I said Yeti comes out with a fucking katana. <laughs> well, you said yeah, an, an Asian protector of the sacred mountains. Yeah, he probably knows karate, bro. You think an American guardian of the forest, also known as Bigfoot, would lose to an Asian protector of the mountains? <laughs> yes. He comes in with, 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 he comes in with an American bandana. If you clarify. Bigfoot and the Yeti with those distinct names or legends like that, they make them so much more badass than what they already <laughs> are. Now I just picture is like like Bigfoot coming into a ring with a like sleeveless like jean vest and jeans <laughs> and a bandana tied around his head and then the fucking abominable snowman comes walking in a kimono. And he's, like, <laughs> he's like, you know why I shake my arm? You're picturing a kimono. I'm, aerodynamic when I'm, I fight. I'm picturing the Yeti coming in with like an Eskimo jacket. And like, <laughs> <laughs> I picture Bigfoot like with like a ripped like up, hammer bros. with like a ripped up Metallica t-shirt on and like uh, uh, leather jeans or something. The Yeti comes in with a top Ass knot, chaps, yeah, hand right. on hand on katana, <laughs> trilby on. I don't know where we got the Yeti to it have looks a like, It looks like the blade doesn't even leave the scabbard, but look, you look at the Yeti and it's already sliced in half. I don't think half. he uses yeah. a or weapon. If, if he exists, I don't think he uses a weapon considering that people are saying that he kills a man with one punch. If you can do that, yeah. I don't think you need a, a, a weapon of any sort. He does sort it for style points. He does it to flex. Like my <laughs> <He's> <laughs> katana's a toothpick. It's the weird flex. Wait a minute. If the Yeti can kill somebody with one punch, does that mean he's Mike Tyson? Oh shit! We should make a Mike game. Tyson's just chilling on the mountains to train. <laughs> That's what I said. Uh, I like pigs. Okay. Well, the Himalayan villagers tell stories of Yetis abducting young girls in the night, throwing stones at villagers, and snacking on yaks. Wow. Well, Jimmy Stewart's wife smuggled a Yeti finger from a wonderful life in an adventure found a Yeti hand in a sacred Himalayan tomb. He replaced one of the fingers with a human double that he got in specific for this assignment. And then in Nepalese and the U.S. governments regulate Yeti hunting, in 1959, U.S. Embassy memo stated that American citizens need a permit to start tracking a Yeti. So is that just the idea of the government, like, another thing we can get money out of, some people that want to believe in Yeti hunting. We know there's a squad that hunts Bigfoot. I was thinking, like, oh, somebody's kidnapping young girls, says the man who just kidnapped the young girls. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I've mentioned many times about... That's a Scooby-Doo plot. It was, <laughs> it was a helium balloon. <laughs> like I mentioned many times about uh, this, uh, you know, mysterious figures. I talk, I always point fingers at the kid that starts, uh, the weird kid that when all the neighborhood pets go missing, you look at little Timmy, who is, uh, uh, runs around the butterfly net even though he's 43. Okay, well, let's talk about the etymology <laughs> and alternate names of the Yeti. The word Yeti is derived from Tibetan. It's a compound of words of the Tibetan arrow known as Wiley, which is like rocky or rocky place, and also with um, to, uh, the Tibetan thing, which means bear. So, Provanda Pro, Ganda states that the word T, Te, and Te are derived, that's the weirdest one, T, T, and Te, are derived from the spoken word tray, 
which means Tibetan for bear, with the R so softly pronounced as to be almost inaudible, thus making it T or Te. Other terms used by Himalayan peoples do not translate exact, exactly the same, but refer to legendary and indigenous wildlife. Mish, which translate as a man bear. Man bear pig. I mean, if you saw, like, I'm just trying to think of, like, what a Nepalese, like, or Tibetan mountain bear would look like. Like, and what if it was, like, kind of a polar bear style looking, but it's got the mountain build, you know, of, like, a grizzly, or not even a grizzly, like, I guess I a picture a, a mix bear, of larger. a... Just saying, like, a giant black bear, just, pretty much? But white. Oh. I, I, and that thing would scare the shit well, out of me. A lot like, of, seeing that coming down the mountain at you, like... Hauling ass. Haul, yeah. A lot of people... Were Especially sh- if it's on two legs. You know, a lot of people, like... <laughs> Jeez, I've done a oh home. Yeah. <laughs> I've done a home in the blank on Bigfoot before. And when we talk about Bigfoot, a lot of the misconstruings of what Bigfoot actually is is that bears can stand up straight up, like, yeah. on their hind legs. And yeah. they can walk by using bipedalism, basically. Basically, they can look like... A, a giant, like, you know, a human, basically, like a freak-sized mm-hmm. human. So what's known if, a like, like one of these man-bear-type things are not out there? Like, like Golden Compass style. Yeah. Like, if you're oh, looking at, yeah, yeah. we're not talking about the polar bear that's cracking a nice cold Coca-Cola. <laughs> we're talking about, like, a giant, like, bear that might, you know how there's... He rips a, a jaw off in that movie, well, I think, actually. Yeah, he does. pretty badass. There's, there's, there's armor like, there's yeah, pit yeah. bulls with name. giant muscles. We know pit bulls that have giant muscles and a freak-like thing. What's hard to believe that a bear might not be super ripped like a chimp, you know what I mean? Dude. Chimps are ripped. A snowman. Well, of such quality the Duzu- that you could only describe it as abominable. Well, the Duzute translate as cattle, and the full meaning translate as cattle bear, referring to the Himalayan brown bear. Meagle or Migo translate as wild man, and Bun Manchi is Nepali for jungle man that is used outside of Sherpa communities where Yeti is the common name. Murka Author name for like wild man. Local legend holds that anyone who sees one dies or is killed. The latter is taken from a written statement by Frank Smith Sherpas in 1937. So it's like a White Walker too. Nobody's seen Game of Thrones. Kang Admi is also called it the Snowman. Well, that makes me think of. There's also isn't there a thing? Isn't there? Isn't there like uh, a belief in like Eastern society about like something called like the Winter Shogun? I don't know, but... I've heard something about that. And look, in 1937, people were trying to explore the mountains on expeditions, and the Sherpas, the guides through the mountain, would not go at a certain season and certain time of the day because they believe that this Yeti was most known to be out at that time. A lot of when they say nocturnal, there's no traveling at night. We have to make a campfire now. We're not traveling past when the when the uh, the sun goes below the mountains Dude, because this so is when the Yeti comes yo, out. Yo, yo, for some reason, this... It, like two thoughts led into this, but like it's related. With we were watching Joe Rogan, they were showing this thing with like an eagle that would drop. It dropped both a ram and a bobcat on the road from like you know way up cliff high, and they just splat, shattered bones, broken everything. And I was just thinking like, what if that was one of its methods to like just kill or like attack or whatever? Is just to like take something and just throw it. The- fuck off a mountain that's what you talked about it throwing rocks right so what if could you so just picture yourself getting picked up and just this that's the end of your life that's the last 20 seconds of you like is like 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 when you're playing skyrim and you go after a go out a giant for the first time you're just flying 400 feet in the air yeah 
Yes, Dude, exactly. You, you you explaining the the Sherpas and their infinite wisdom not going out at a certain time of day—that's just spooky. That's and then, right. just that. that, that in itself, like, all right, let's that, just that go gives, the fuck home. Yeah, right. That gets the like ooh in the pit of your stomach, right? Like, sure. <laughs> you know what freaks me out is is if you think of them throwing boulders, you just like you're randomly sitting there like on the side of a mountain, and just this thing drops down. You don't see it, but you hear a giant. Whoosh, you're like, what the hell? And it's too dark for you to see. Right. Next thing you know, picked up someone picks up a giant Indiana Jones boulder, you turn around, just knocks you off the side of the mountain. I think of this the Grinch movie, that giant mountain. Oh my god. All the Who's yeah. from Whoville would be screwed if the Yeti <laughs> just went down there and just started beating the crap out of everyone. When the cop doesn't arrest the Grinch because he says sorry, so he just gets fucking impaled <laughs> I've never thought of the Yeti as like spooky or scary, but you like Having the Yeti have like a timetable, like don't go out or the Yeti will like a gremlin. kill you your ass. It after a certain Yeti time. Season. It, it, yeah, it's, gremlin, it's just the don't same feeling as like don't get water on it or some shit. It's the same feeling as like thinking about the Mothman or something. Just like yeah, if you get broken down and like whatever the fucking New Jersey or whatever. No, that's the Jersey Devil. Like yeah. if you get broke, if he you break, know about that. if you break yeah, down yeah. in Jersey and like. You get out to fix your car, you might see the Jersey Devil that's, on your ass. Let's save yeah. that for another legend of like, the like, nice That's another movie. spooky, like, oh, God. Well, that, there's, there's also the the whole thing, like, if you wanted to go with, like, skinwalkers and shit. Well, mm-hmm. let's okay. talk about the term, the abominable snowman. The name abominable snowman was coined in 1921, the same year Lieutenant Colonel Charles Howard Bury led the 1921 British Mount Everest Reconnaissance Expedition, which he chronicled in Mount Everest Reconnaissance 1921. In the book, Howard Bury includes an account of crossing a Lapkala at 21,000 feet, also 6,400 meters if you're everyone else in the world that's not the United States, <laughs> where he found that footprints that he believed were probably caused by a large loping gray wolf, which in the soft snow formed double tracks rather like those of a barefooted man he adds that his sherpa guides at once volunteered that the tracks must be that of the wild man of the snows to which they gave the name meto kangmi meto translate as man bear and kangmi translate as snowman i'm curious to see how how wolf tracks translate into Looking like super cereal, a human foot, <laughs> you know, like a human track. It's like the They're show. Very different. It's like the show Rocket Power, where the the, the one was trying to make goblins and stuff, and what the person did was, if you take your fist, push it into the ground, and then take your fingers and poke four little holes for toes above the fist by like a, an inch or so. It looks like a small like foot. So they were talking oh. about the. There's that, and then you do, like, three, and it looks like a, like a little alien foot. Yeah, so it's like, it's the way, maybe it was just someone messing with somebody, or maybe it was just a certain pattern from maybe the winds or the snow shifting. We don't truly know. Well, Confucian, um, confusion exists between Howard Beery's recitation of the term Meito Kangmi and the term used in Bill Tillman's Mount Everest 1938, where Tillman had used words known as the Mech, which does not exist in the Tibetan language, and Kangmi when relating to the coining of the term Abominable Snowman. Further evidence of Mech being a missioner is provided by Tibetan language authority professor David Smelgrove from the School of Oriental and Becoming a Misnomer is provided by the African Studies of the University of London, who dismiss the word mech as impossible because the connaissance tech cannot be conjoined in the Tibetan language. Documentation suggests that the term mech kangmi is derived from one source. The year 1921 it had been suggested that mech is simply a misspelling of meto. 
So the idea that the dude that was trying to translate this misspelled what he wrote in his book, and it was really the word Mato. So not like that has anything to do about yeah. the beautifulness of the abominable snowman. But the use of the abominable snowman began with Henry Newman, a longtime contributor to the Statesman in Calcutta, writing under the pen name Kim, interviewed the porters of the Everest Reconnaissance Expedition on their return to the Jarling. Newman mistranslated the word Mato as filthy, substituting the term abdominal, perhaps <coughs> out of artistic license. As author Bill Tillman recounts, wrote long after in a letter to the Times, the whole story story seems such a joyous <coughs> creation I sent it to one or two newspapers so the idea that the abominable snowman that wonderful name we like to think of when we compare it to the yeti was actually made up on accident it was a really a mistranslation of an American person trying to understand what the Tibetan Sherpas used and got the name wrong and spelled it wrong in the book where we took the translation to mean something completely different and someone uncovered this little mistake I'm still trying to picture a grizzly and a gorilla put together I'm trying to picture Bigfoot coming in with a, a nice bandana on and beating the crap out of the Yeti. It's like, it makes me want to play Primal Rage. You ever play that game? Oh my god. There, isn't there like a white monkey like yeah. in there? Yeah, yeah, or like a gorilla in there. Rampage? Like, what? Rampage? No, Primal Rage. That makes me think of the movie Rampage, Rampage with the rock. Exactly, yeah. That giant white gorilla? Yeah. I haven't seen that. Dude, and the video game, which is awesome, but yes, yeah, right? exactly. But with... Primal Rage, it was a, uh arcade game, and I think they translated it to 64 and all those others. Yeah, I've seen it on the N64, yeah, that's yeah. how I know it. Well, the history, in pre-19th century, according to H. Sliger, the Yeti was part of a pre-Buddhist beliefs of several Himalayan people. He told that the Lepa people worshipped a glacier being as a god of the hunt. He also reported that followers of the Bon religion once believed the blood of the Mai Ragad, or wild man, used in certain mystical ceremonies. The being was depicted as an ape-like creature who carries a large stone as a weapon and making a whistling swoosh sound. So the idea that the Yeti now has a weapon, not like a katana, but more of a club, a giant stone, like a piece of stone, that's formed like a club. Don't they say that like Sasquatch or Yeti, like or not Yeti, but Sasquatch, like will use like large branches and like trees and like hit things i'm just still fascinated if he can kill a man with one punch why the hell is he squaring up with a weapon well i mean a big old boulder would uh be a pretty good long range maybe yeah if it's long range like a slingshot type you deal, actually but... have that kind of like raw strength think about a gorilla dude those man those things are so the yeti's so supposed to be 4.5 meters scary tall. scary powerful tall, yeah where to get to that man in 19th century, in 1832, James Prinup's Journal of the Archistic Society of Bengal published Trekker B.H. Hodgson's account of his experience in northern Nepal. His local guide spotted a tall bipedal creature covered with long dark hair, which seemed to flee in fear. Hodgson concluded that it was an orangutan. Alright, we know an orangutan to have long arms and be kind of short. How do you mix up a yeti with an orangutan? I could see somewhere down the line... And orangutans are actually extremely aggressive. I mean... Right, so I could see I could see somewhere in the evolutionary chain, like just like how elephants went somewhere in these territories and you know developed this sort of hair and thick coat or whatever and turned into mammoths. Like I feel like, and we see like we see snow monkeys in what certain Asian territories where they're like chilling the spas and stuff, right, yeah. or whatever, and like they've developed different ways to like handle the elements better. So I feel like 
I'm still just picturing. Sizable. I'm still just picturing the giant Wampa from Star Wars that tried to yeah. eat Skywalker. Dude, that's 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 a, that's I, the perfect that perfect Yeti. right there. When that thing gets up, you're like, Fuck. oh my god. Yeah. An early record of reported footprints appeared in 1899 in Lawrence Waddles among the Himalayas. Waddle reported his guide description of large ape-like creatures that left okay. the left the prints, which Waddle thought were made by a bear. Waddle heard stories of bipedal ape-like creatures, but wrote that none, however, of many Tibetans have interrogated on this subject could ever give me an authentic case. On the most superficial investigation, it always resolved into something that somebody heard or told of. The 20th century. The frequency of reports increased during the early 20th century when Westerners began making determined attempts to scale the many mountains in the area and occasionally reported seeing odd creatures or, or strange tracks. See, I think the belief that when we're trying to explore, a lot before the Yeti was really, really popularly known That's or really, really like popularly seen was based on the fact that we haven't been taking many expeditions into the mountains yet. We haven't been in that region because of a story of some giant creature out there guarding the mountains. Now we got Westerners coming over, and now they're starting to explore the mountains and take more expeditions. Now people are recounting more tales of seeing a type of monster. Maybe, like, you know, some of the that people... That still is just freaky. Like, I know. The, the, like yes. as, you were, as you said the story, I found the picture of it. And then they have a they have yeah, a pickaxe. Footprint. Yeah, they have a pickaxe to scale for it. Well, they were talking about like, imagine the town folklore being like, "Don't go into the mountains. You're angering the yeti. He's coming down and stealing our daughters and stuff. Like he's coming down and stealing <laughs> our children. You know? Yeah. Why just the girls? You're. He is because uh, he's not gay. Yeah, he's the guy. Why can't the yeti be gay? Don't you don't know. know what he is. Why does he got to be a guy? Why does he got to own a ice? <laughs> Why does he got to own a snow cone factory like in Monsters Incorporated? How funny to be like all our snow sons cone. are being stolen. That yeti was the sick. abominable snow cone. Well, look, I mean, if you think though, we're taking more trips into the mountains, and that's when now the yeti's being seen more. But maybe the people, the townsfolk, are like, "You're disturbing the yeti," and at night he's coming down and taking our children. Can you stop? You're angering the the, the guardian of the mountains. I'm just imagining like a serious conversation between adults, including the sentence, "Stop! You're disturbing the yeti." <laughs> like, like holy it sounds shit. dumb to say, but you don't like. We don't know whether it's real or not. Well, what does man like, like to when, do? When what does man like to do? When you're talking to like explore, yeah, like disturb. And we like to explore, disturb, and we like to conquer things. So the yeti is going to get to pissed chief, if you're trying like, to conquer his mountains. You're talking to the chief of like a like a Nepalese village who's like, you're pissing off the yeti. You're like, something's coming down and taking some shit. Like, you just think it's animals though. Like you, like, but. But you don't yeah, you don't find out until you get fucking chucked off a mountain. <laughs> right. <laughs> All you hear is just, what? Well, in 1925, oh, N.A. Tambazi, a photographer and member of the Royal Geographical Society, writes that he saw a creature about 15,000 feet, 4,600 meters near Zemu Glacier. Tambazi later wrote he observed the creature from about 200 to 300 yards. Also 180 to 270 meters if you're anyone else in the world besides the United States. For about a minute. It's fairly close. Unquestionably, the figure in outline was exactly like a human being walking upright and stomping occasionally to pull at some dwarf rhinodendron bushes. It showed up dark against the snow and, as far as I can make out, wore no clothes. About two hours later, Tampazi and his companions descended the mountain and saw the creature's prints described as similar in shape of those of a man, but only six to seven inches long by four inches wide. 
mind. The prints were undoubtedly those of a biped. Western small, interest in the Yeti peaked dramatically in the 1950s. While attempting to scale Mount Everest in 1951, Eric Shipton took photographs of a number of large prints in the snow about 6,000 meters above sea level. These photos have been subject to intense scrutiny and debate. Some argue that the best evidence of Yeti's existence, while others contend that prints are known as a mundane creature that have been distorted by the melting snow. Peter Brine um, reported finding a Yeti footprint in 1948 in northern Sikkim, India, near the Zemu Glacier, where, while on holiday from a Royal Air Force assignment in India. In 1953, Sir Edmund Hillary in Tenzing, Norgay, um, reported seeing large footprints while scaling Mount Everest. Hillary would later discount Yeti reports as unreliable. In his first autobiography, Tenzin said he believed the Yeti was a large ape, and although he had never seen it himself, his father had seen one twice. But in the second autobiography, he said he had become much more skeptical about its existence. So during the, Ma the Daily Mail Snowman Expedition of 1954, the mountaineering leader John Angelo Jackson made the first trek from Everest to Kanjunga, in the course of which he photographed symbolic paintings of the Yeti at Trebuchet Gamba. Jackson tracked and photographed many footprints in the snow, most of which were identifiable. However, there are many large footprints which could not be identified. These flattened footprints, like indentations, were attributed to erosion and subsequent widening of the original footprint by wind and particles. Much like I saying a natural causation or disturbance affecting these types of tracks leaving very lack of evidence to the Yeti's belief. Is that just because some science, some scientist or some guy that believes in something being logical or something that has to have some type of evidence support it? Totally annihilating this folklore, much like atheists where they don't have any evidence, you can't believe in God or something. Is that the same thing with the, the Yeti? Since there's no circumstantial evidence, you're just hearing stories and recountings of someone else you well, don't truly know. Mm -hmm. Well, everyone, uh, everyone themselves are going to be naturally skeptical about things that could potentially, like, like, you always have a lot of the folklores about, you know, like, the boogeyman and all that. Like, you, you hear that stuff, like, growing up. Like, you know, Tooth Fairy and stuff. So you'll hear, like, all this stuff that you believe mm -hmm. to find that's not real. Like, Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, um, you know, the other ones I've mentioned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, so, when, so it's the same mindset, I guess, going into this stuff where you have Bigfoot, Yeti, you have, you know, like, Tasmanian Devil. Loch Ness Monster. The Loch Ness Monster, which was, like... You can't. We can't decide whether that's real or not either, because there's also been the fake pictures that have been made. Right. Whereas there's also the fake. Like you can't trust anything. I feel unless like you see it in person or have it. The Kraken. Yeah, they're like that. That's but there are large squids. Yeah, that's like, yeah they did. They did realize that there are there's, large squids. They found like a there, forty there foot squid. There are colossal squids mm -hmm. that are even bigger than giant squids. Like, well, so like they Kraken. exist. It's just really. Like squids with giant beaks and hooks on their tentacles, they exist. Yeah. Well, on they, but they probably don't come up and attack ships. Well, on the nineteenth of March, nineteen fifty-four, the Daily Mail printed an article which described expedition teams obtaining hair specimens from what was alleged to be a Yeti scalp found in the Pangosh Monastery. The hairs were black to dark brown in color in dim light, and the fox red in sunlight. The hair was analyzed by Professor Frederick Wood Jones, an expert in human and comparative anatomy. During the study, the hairs were bleached, cut into series, 
or sections and hairs, um, comparing them with hairs from known animals such as bears and orangutans. Jones concluded that the hairs were not actually from a scalp. He contended that while some animals do have a ridge of hair extending from the plate to the back, no animals have a ridge as the pango scalp. So running from the base of the forehead across the pate and at the ending at the nape of the neck, Jones was unable to pinpoint exactly the animal from which the pangoge hairs were taken. He was, however, convinced that the hairs were not of a bear or anthropoid ape. He suggested that the hairs were from a shoulder of a coarse-haired hoofed animal. So Sladmer Rovitz claimed in his book The Long Walk, published in 1956, that as he and some others were crossing the Himalayas in the winters of 1940, there was a path blocked for hours by two bipedal animals that were doing seemingly nothing but shuffling around in the snow. So now you're contributing the Yeti to not one giant creature, but maybe a race of creatures. Maybe there's like an elite team of guardians of the mountains. Every, every new little story, it's just another... Like, like, it adds another mystery. Like, oh, that's... that's it adds spooky. another block onto the Jenga Well, it, it wouldn't make mm-hmm. sense on the whole idea of, like, Yeti and Bigfoot being one thing. Because, like, we've had it for years of Well, they talk about, about Bigfoot, um, like, the fill in the blank I did on Bigfoot was talking about Bigfoot as a race, as Bigfoot being yeah. a certain type of uh, homogeneous or whatever type of, uh, like, pre-evolutionary thing that we might have came from or another separate species. Like, like something that diverged from yeah. the Neanderthals. Instead of Homo sapiens, there was something else. Like, we know there's difference between, there was, like, two species existing before they evolved. Like, one's Homo sapiens, one's Neanderthals or whatever that like kind of one were like, like big like, giant I guess like dumb I guess it would also depend like 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 uh like with we like just bleh. all right so I can't speak so like if we started from like if we started from Neanderthals like Neanderthals here yeah. we could have been like as it was evolving there could have been something that made it like kind of like branch off yeah so like homo, homo sapiens or like us today have kind of gone in one direction whereas these ones have evolved still like wild in a sense so they went over this, like, this way. Like, so, like, yetis and stuff uh, could just be, like, like a, I guess, like, a group of people that just didn't evolve the same way we did. Just, like, in their own way to survive in that. So they kind of still have their animalistic tendencies. tendencies. They don't really have a true consciousness. Like, we can talk and communicate. They probably have their own form of communication, like most animals do. How would the yeti communicate with other yetis? Screams. I'm just grunt, I was going to say scream. grunt, screaming, and... I'm picturing, like, yeah. banging the chest. <gasps> like, that type of well, thing. Well, they're saying it's more like... Like, a, like more of, like, a gorilla slash orangutan. So they... Com- like, gorillas, like, communicate through, like, a series of, like, hand gestures, mm-hmm. grunts, and... Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. So it could just be similar to that. I would say the Lord of the Rings when they have the ring wraiths. Like, you... Oh, they like, scream? They're just screaming, ah. but, like, Frodo's, like, their words and those screams... Oh, yeah. Imagine if the Yeti just, like, speaks, and he's just like, I'm Morgan Freeman. <laughs> like, oh, my God, it's Morgan like a dapper- Bro, you speak English! Like a dapper Yeti. Like, I was thinking, all right. My, Why I'm, are you destroying my mountains? I'm not going to, like, diverge into aliens, but this did bring, like, make me think of it, but, like, because the Yeti and its size and what you're just talking about with, like, where we might have branched off from Neanderthals or whatever. I remember seeing something with, like, an alien where they had like a telescope of it was like the moon or something whatever and they showed this large what looked like you know bipedal shape of something but it would have inferred that this thing was like miles taller like some something like some absurd height right 
And that's something that, like, got my brain thinking about, like, I wonder what, like, the largest form of life, like, bipedal life is out there. You know what I mean? Especially considering the size well, of this earth. Beginning in 1957, American Tom Slick funded a few missions to investigate Yeti reports. In 1959, supposed Yeti feces were collected by one of Slick's expedition. Feces analysis found a parasite, which could not be classified. So the United States government thought that finding the Yeti was likely enough to create three rules for American expeditions searching for it. Obtain a Nepalese permit. Do not harm the Yeti. Exempt in self-defense. And the, let, the Nepalese government approve any news reporting on animals' discovery. In 1959, actor James Stewart, while visiting India, reportedly smuggled the so-called Pangosh hand by concealing it in his luggage when he flew from India to London. <laughs> so the American and Soviet teams were also planning organized hunts during the Cold War for the Yeti. So imagine, is that because they they want to see if they can capture the Yeti and possibly use it for their own military purposes? They probably want to use it either for military or for the research because any as humans decide to do, every time they discover something, they immediately kill it and research or it. Or you're thinking of the other way, like, we got to hunt the Yeti because kids go into the mountains. Cold no War. Come out oh, my God. Imagine the, like, like the cool morale boost like landing on the moon would be like yeah americans found the yeti what'd you do russia <laughs> we just yoinked the yeti what you got see every time you you spout a new like piece of information it's like oh yeah there might be there were like two of them guarding like a pathway maybe they're like a race it's like it, it's that's another like drop of uncertainty it's like oh that's spooky it's like then you yeah, think about like what why are they standing there like what's behind them it's mm-hmm. like it's like um one of the recent Stephen King books like it was about like a shapeshifter and like a li- the little girl's like yeah I saw, I saw daddy standing in the doorway but he had straws for eyes and you're like that sounds <laughs> stupid well in the wait t- wait it, what is what in the 21st like? century in 2004 like, oh, henry shit, g editor creepy. of the journal <laughs> yeah. nature mentioned in the yeti as an example of a legend deserving further study writing Discovery that Homo floriensis survived until so very recently in geological terms makes it more likely that stories of other mystical human-like creatures such as yetis are founded on grains of truth. So in early December 2007, American television presenter Joshua Gates and his team, Destination Truth, reported finding a series of footprints in the Everest region of Nepal resembling descriptions of Yeti. Each of the footprints measured 33 centimeters, exactly 13 inches in length, with five toes that measured a total of 25 centimeters, 9.8 inches across. Casts were made of the prints for further research. The footprints were examined by Jeffrey Meldum of Idaho State University, who believed that the two morphologically accurate to be fake or man-made. Before changing his mind after making further investigations later in 2009, Gates made another investigation during which he discovered hair samples. A forensic analysis concluded that the hair contained an unknown DNA sequence. On the 25th of July, 2008, the BBC reported the hairs collected in the remote Garo Hills area of northeast India by Dupu Mark had been analyzed at Arkshire Brooks University in the UK by primatologist Anna Neckaris and microscopy expert J.K. Wells. These initial tests were inconclusive, and ape conversation expert Ian Redmond told the BBC that there was similarity between the, the cuticle pattern of these hairs and specimens collected by Edmund Hillary during the Himalayan expeditions in the 1950s and donated to the Oxford University Museum of Natural History. 
An announced plan DNA analysis. This analysis has since revealed that the hair came from the Himalayan Goral. The what? The Himalayan Goral. So a group of Chinese scientists and explorers in 2010 proposed to renew searches in the Shangri-La Forestry District of Hubu Providence, which was the site of the expedition in the 1970s and 80s. So now in the 20th, as we are noticing in the 21st century from a couple of years, from 2007 to 2010, people are starting to want to go back and find, really try and re-encounter these stories that these guys have experienced in the 1970s and 80s of searching in the mountains. But we don't know if the Yeti's even still up there. Maybe he just decided to pack his bags and leave, put all his stuff on a bindle and head out. <laughs> so at a 2011 conference in Russia, participating scientists and enthusiasts declared having 95% evidence of the Yeti's existence. However, the claim was disputed later. American anthropologist and anatomist Jeffrey Meldrum, who was present during the Russian expedition, claimed the evidence found was simply an attempt by local officials to drum up publicity. This is something that you can experience when you go to Russia. Roswell, New Mexico. They have a McDonald's that is in the shape of a UFO. This whole town is literally like capitalizing on. Come that. on, on down. We got aliens, and like the street, everything is alien twenty four seven. There's nothing but alien memorabilia. They have shirts they sell like I've been to Roswell and survived and didn't get abducted. And you know and you're then, gonna buy a few things going there. Yeah, because you, know, like, you want this. You want the sticker that's yeah. on your car that says I've been to Roswell and lived. And then they have the same thing in um like in Scotland with um the uh, Nessie. With uh, the Loch Ness monster, you go to Lake Loch Ness. Oh, like, yeah. It's all. It's all it is. Is uh, you came to Loch Ness Water Park, and it's like all I'd this buy stuff. Something. Like ride the Nessie. It's like it's it's all about selling money. It's all about publicity and advertising to get people to come to your town. Like that's the whole basis on the movie Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Like Swallow Falls, you know, it became a whole idea. Like we grow food here. Come on down. Like they renamed their whole town that. and they published it around that. Like that's before, a great movie. it's like that whole idea. Well, let's talk about some possible identifications of um, the Yeti. The misidentifications, or it's possible explanations, I should say. The misidentifications of Himalayan wildlife has been proposed as an explanation for some Yeti sightings, including the Chute, a Langer monkey living at lower altitudes, the Tibetan blue bear, or the Himalayan brown bear as Duzute, also known as the Himalayan red bear. So the idea that it might be just a giant ape or a bear. Well, I mean, throughout many years, a lot of people, it seems like, have a lot of evidence that the, they can make an excuse for the Yeti, and uh, not too much has been known. Like, everyone kind of chalks it up to be a bear or some type of form of bear or type of species that just, like I was saying before with the Bigfoot, where they stand up on their hind legs and use bipedalism. They're like, what can you really clarify from what the Yeti's discovery is through the mountains? I mean, are you're, you're recounting a story from people that from a long time ago. So it's really hard to decipher what they're trying to say. Like, you can't really believe it because we just see the Yeti as this mystical being. It would be cool to have this being out there, but what do we really know if it's not just some other form of evolutionary bear or some type of thing that is just formed a different way because we know things adapt to their environments. What's to say this thing didn't learn to start walking on two legs to find food better and dig up plants and stuff? 
So the last study was in, um, the last explanation, I guess you could say, for the Yeti's existence was in 2017 by Daniel C. Taylor published a comprehensive analysis of the century-long Yeti literature, giving added evidence to the Ursius Thibetanus, an explanation building on the initial Barn Valley discoveries. Importantly, this book under the Oxford University imprint gave a meticulous explanation for the iconic Yeti footprint photographed by Eric Shipton in 1950. Also, the 1972 chronic McNeely print, as well as other unexplained Yeti footprints. To complete this explanation, Taylor also located a never-before-published photograph in the archives of the Royal Geographical Society taken in 1950 by Eric Shipton that included scratches that are clearly bare nail marks. So now, in our last evidence or explanation for the Yeti, it's been chalked up to a bear. Now, I have to ask you guys this question. Do you believe that there is a Yeti out there? A type of abominable snowman? Um, I would say yeah. Because we don't know what actually is out there. I think it's a good type of folklore to tell like people back in the day. Like, you tell your kids, stay out of the mountains at night. Don't go playing tag. So they stay and come inside, you know, before the Yeti eats you. Or the Yeti, you know, takes you away and throws you up in the mountains. Believe? It, I, don't, I don't believe anything. You don't believe in Bigfoot? I don't, I don't believe we exist, so how can I believe in Yeti or Bigfoot? Well, where, where have you seen, where, where, where have you seen in popular culture where the Yeti is kind of depicted? Do you know anything? Rudolph. Yeah, okay. Bumble. Well, in the video game, Mr. Nultz, the title character, goes through a series of levels before meeting his nemesis, Mr. Blizzard, who is a Yeti. In 2006 video game Titan Quest, Yeti appears as beast enemies in Act three of the Orient, and then Walt Disney World's attraction Expedition Everest at Disney's Animal Kingdom is themed around the folklore of the Yeti and features a 25-foot-tall audio-animatronic Yeti, which appears during the ride. Bumble, the abdominal snowman from the 1964 Christmas television special Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and then in 2016, the Travel Channel released an in-the-series Expedition Unknown, a special four-part episode titled Hunt for the Yeti. So it seems like we're all kind of still chasing this myth of the Yeti and really trying to figure out. Much like there's still Bigfoot location squats today and hunters yeah. that travel against Bigfoot. Who's to say that there's not a group of hunters traveling against the Yeti? I actually ordered a couple patches of folklore and myth because we always want something bigger to be out there. But the whole idea of the Kraken, the Bigfoot, the Yeti, you know, it's, it's, it's all these things. Mothman, these are all types of things that give like... A legend aspect to life that make it mystical and wondrous that I think we all need to believe in at some point or need to have there just so we're just kind of like, yeah, but there's the Yeti, this cool thing. The Yeti, uh, there, there, there's enough um, reasonable doubt there for me to not just say like, yeah, it's probably not real. Like so the more uh, reasonable doubt with something like the Kraken because. The oceans are, like, most of our planet, and they're the least explored thing. And that's the and one thing like that we're, so. like, it's the same thing with Loch Ness. You can't even, like, that we've explored the whole Loch Ness. It's a small, like, little lake. Well, it's not small, but compared to the ocean, yeah. it's a lot smaller. But you also can't see shit when they were exploring it. But also the whole fact of maybe it's moving, the, the Loch Ness monster's moving around from where we're searching yeah, it. So it's just kind of avoid it. Yeah. So cryptozoologists argue that the Yeti is the most talked about creature of the present era. And Siberia is actually getting a Yeti resort complete with a museum and hotel. Russian um, 
park is currently in development but when you stay um a bounty is up for the grabs of the yeti of uh thirty thousand five hundred dollars from the regional governor if you find the yeti you get to hunt at the, at this resort of the yeti do these trips this is all like a money publicity scam i believe people are turning the beautifulness of the mythological creature and god himself yeti of the mountains into a publicity stunt to earn money but like we said, we all need that aspect. There's going to be people that believe, and there's going to be people that don't. So, One thing you can Take always you believe stand. in is capitalism. Capitalism. It'll always bleed into everything. I want to see a fight between the Yeti and Bigfoot, and then the winner has to fight Jesus. Himself. Who's himself? Or herself. He, she, it, Wumbo. The Kraken versus Nessie. Bigfoot. Versus the Yeti. Well, that's the loose, so fucking cracking. I manage gift to God herself. And then the winner has to fight Jesus. Well, anybody that wants to look up the Abominable Snowman or the Yeti, um, it's definitely a quick little fun little read to get you interested in what you can call some people being psychopaths still hunting for the Yeti, or are they just true believers? Thank you for listening to this episode of Fill in the Blank, um, and stay tuned for the next episode. Yeti.